sponsored by Tide, you can now get your jersey shipped to any teammate, not teammate, you know, opponent across the league, and Tide will take care of it. And we're making sure that we say Tide as many times as possible because Tide is doing this and we get money from Tide. Welcome to episode 22 of the Go For Two podcast, the podcast for frustrated football fans by two frustrated football fans. I'm Brad Glenn and my co-host is Jenna Alike. And Jenna, we always say that, podcast for frustrated football fans by two frustrated football fans. But I will say that this is the least frustrated I have ever been in the 22-week history of this podcast. It was kind of hard to find some true anger, some true passion behind fan frustration when I planned it this week. We'll get to to that later, but how could you be angry? How could you be annoyed? How could you be truly frustrated when you know football is two days away? This podcast will now truly have a purpose. Football will actually be played, and we get to open up with seeing the Texans and the Chiefs, like... What a privilege for us. We have to see two potential MVP candidates. We're going to preview that down the list. I'm, I'm excited to hear what you have to say about it. Um, but ah, I, can't, I can't say more about how excited I am. And as fans of two subpar teams, there's really nothing like week one, right? Because we know that the Jets and the Raiders are not going to make deep runs if make the playoffs at all. But – we also just kind of, for whatever reason, fall into this week one trance where we think, oh, anything's possible if this goes right and that goes right and the stars align, maybe we have a chance and there's nothing but hope. Now, you know, week two, Brad, will be very different. I'll be singing a different tune. But at the same time, week one is probably the best time of year for a Jets fan. Just saying. For anybody, week one is when the craziest upsets happen because every – especially – Imagine, in, like, in a COVID year when everything's been different. I think we're going to see some crazy outcomes, and I'm hoping – I don't know. I I'm, I picked early when we did, um, you know, what our team – when the schedule's released and we kind of went through what teams we thought our team were going to be. I thought we were going to beat Carolina, so I'm optimistic for this weekend. Um, but, yeah, week, week two, three, four, and, and beyond are, are what um, I'm a little nervous about. But week one, we're here – we're all football fans on the same playing field, which you don't get to say that too often. Well, Jenna alluded to it. We're going to predict, predict and cap off our prediction series with the MVP, exactly everything that everyone's been waiting for. Who will be crowned 2020 MVP in the NFL? We'll also get to our Super Bowl predictions, each division winner predictions, and we're going to talk contract galore. A lot to get to in this episode. But, Jenna, we begin – with a contract, a pair of contracts, and after the rain comes the rainbow, there was a lot of, of noise coming in Houston in the offseason between DeAndre Hopkins and Bill O'Brien, who is now called Billy O. Stooge by the critics, for letting him go, for trading him for a bag of balls to Arizona, and DeAndre Hopkins has inked a two-year, $54.5 million extension, the highest-paid non-quarterback ever and we have to denote non-quarterback because his teammate Deshaun Watson he just signed a mega extension himself 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 four years worth 160 million dollars 111 guaranteed that was a lot of money a lot of numbers but it's important to know it took these two guys getting separated getting put on separate teams for them both to get paid but they both got paid what they're worth 
DeAndre Hopkins, I don't think anyone would argue that he's one of the best wide receivers in the league, and he literally catches everything. <laughs> it's very rare that he doesn't catch a ball. So there's, it's no surprise um, that he got paid um, in Arizona, and he's going to be the, the star of that offense, aside from Kyler Murray, which, you know, you might say that he's had a breakout year or not, um, or really take a big leap, leap in step two, but, or in his second season. Um, but for me, DeAndre Hopkins is the one I'm going to be watching. Like, if I'm a Cardinals fan, he's the one I'm buying tickets for because he's the, the veteran star that, that you know is going to perform every single time. And similarly to Deshaun Watson, I'm not super high on the Texans. I never have been. Um, I, I've never thought they were good enough to do anything substantial than maybe compete in the first maybe one or two rounds of the playoffs. But um, Deshaun Watson is the real deal. I've, again, I've spoken about it on this podcast. Just like seeing him play, you can't deny that he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Um, and he only got paid behind um, Patrick Mahomes. And I think with everyone else who's kind of gotten contracts, that makes sense. We, uh, I know, Brad, we, we've talked kind of like off pod, just like Deshaun Watson, like he wasn't going to get Patrick Mahomes money but he was going to get something that was higher than pretty much everyone else in the market below that. Yeah. An average of $40 million a year. That's what Dak was asking for, by the way. So this is actually pretty interesting for Dak Prescott, but that's for another pod. It's the richest contract outside of Patrick Mahomes in the NFL period. It's more guaranteed money than anyone else has received. So if you're Deshaun Watson, you've surpassed Aaron Rodgers. You've surpassed Russell Wilson. Both of those guys have won Super Bowls. You've won one playoff game. So for that, it's a pretty good deal to win one playoff game and still get a $40 million contract. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. I just think back to um, – I always, just because it's part of being a fan, you always put it in the perspective of your own team. Yeah. And I was like, Derek Carr got paid a lot of money and he has not even started in a playoff game. Granted, that is all because of some very ill fate that we will not go into because it's not fan frustration or fan <laughs> sadness, sometimes I like to call it. But it's just funny how, like, it's, it's all with – we talk about it all the time of, like, it's what can you do for me now. And he's proven that he can do enough to, to compete and hopefully make the leap. That's what they're putting this, this money into him making the leap to, um, you know, compete and stay in the playoffs for maybe some deep runs. Usually the comment is always, um, you know, you're playing and you're preparing to beat New England in the playoffs. Like, will you be the team that can beat New England? Um, and, you know, for me now it's, are you the team that can beat Kansas City? And we're going to get to see that on full display um, on Thursday night. Granted, like we said, there's still kind of like a haze because it's week one and everyone's kind of disoriented. But it'll, it'll be a nice sample size of seeing the newly paid quarterback um, take on his the, the only one who's above him in terms of money. I thought it was very interesting, though, because both of these contracts have massive, massive ripple effects. DeAndre Hopkins is only 28, and he got a, only a two-year extension. So I think it only just parallels that Arizona doesn't want to pay Hopkins a lot of money at the same time that – Kyler Murray will be getting paid. So it just mm -hmm. seems like that's at the, the tail end of Kyler Murray's rookie deal. And both of these contracts have massive uh, implications 
for the rest of the league. But we have a lot to get to with the rest of the league, so let's do it. Jadavion Clowney signs a one-year, $12 million deal with the Titans. And Jenna, to me, it just seems like a prove-it deal. This is a guy that had three sacks last year after coming off a nine-and-a-half sack season. And he was expecting a big payday as edge rushers get. But when you only get three sacks, you're not going to get $20 million a year. That's what he was looking for. This $12 million deal is an opportunity for him after the one-season rental to go, to go get that money. It's a good opportunity for both teams. If he, you know, goes back to the, the over nine sack season, great for the Titans. They, they can definitely use that. Um, I think Tennessee, we saw last year that they have some pieces that, you know, under the right circumstances can go for a deeper run in the playoffs. And I think this, adding this piece just only adds to that. Um, I think it's great for him too because he went from the Seahawks a team that was a contender to another team that was a contender. You know, the worst would be, like, he gets paid this to go play for the Bengals. Like, that's just, like, for me, I'm like, why would you – why? You're getting less money than you wanted, and you won't even have a chance to compete for, well, for something The money bigger. he wanted was unattainable, and let's just yeah. get that clear. He mm-hmm. looked like stooge is the best way to describe it. I mean, that's the second time I've used the word stooge on this one episode. Yeah, he looked like a stooge because he's looking for $20 million and every NFL owner and GM and their mother said, uh, no, go kick rocks elsewhere. We don't want you for $20 million. And that showed, and that was painful, right? Because he wasn't taking any less than max, max money for an edge rusher. And in the end, after essentially a holdout the entire offseason, refusing to even pick up the phone for less than – Let's, let's call it around $20 million. Now he signs a concession 12 for one year, and it's just the type of thing where we're not going to laugh at him, but internally we're all like, told you. You know, I mean, you're not worth that money after a three-sack season. You need to do more to prove it. And it's terrible, right, because Jadavion Clowney, that was a career low for him, three, three sacks. He had four and a half in his rookie year, and after that, nine and nine and a, nine and a half. So – he was projecting upwards, and I think that was the main appeal of Jadavion Clowney after 2018 was his projection upwards, but 2019 was such a head-scratcher that teams were scared off. And to be honest, $12 million, in my opinion, it's a lot for a three-sack player, but for only one year for the Titans, it's worth the gamble. But moving on, we have some week one starter decisions, something that we always love leading up to the start of the NFL season. Ryan Fitzmagic, Fitzpatrick starting for the Miami Dolphins with a healthy Tua Tagovailoa on the bench. And Mitch Trubisky, the week one starter for the Chicago Bears with Napoleon Dynamite Nick Foles watching with a clipboard in his hand. Which one makes more sense? To me, I think the Trubisky move makes more sense. I'm not mad with the Fitzpatrick move at all. That doesn't really bother me. But your, your question is, which makes more sense? And to me, it's the latter. Just because, I don't know, to me, Trubisky versus Foles, both of them, I don't know, they're just like, it was like the, the quarterback competition that was like the least sexy. No one really cared. It was like whoever, it was, I think Matt, even Matt Nagy was like, oh, well, he, you know, he was the obvious choice. There wasn't like anything that was like, he exploded, like he took command. Uh, There's nothing that like really showed us that he was truly ready and Matt Nagy had his full confidence in Trubisky, I think it was kind of like the lesser of two mediocres. Um, 
well, you know, they both are okay, and uh, Trubisky's been in this system for some years now, and we're going to stick with that. I think right now in the NFL, consistency is kind of key, um, and I think that kind of plays a little bit into the Fitzpatrick move. Um, it's just like an unprecedented year, an unprecedented season. Um, having a veteran or someone who's been – been around the team for for some time is going to be helpful um and I we don't know how long I think Trubisky will end up starting longer than Fitzpatrick um for sure but um I think that is is that's my reason that's why it makes more sense to just like less two mediocres fine Fitzpatrick and and Tua they you know we have a rookie quarterback that's not surprising rookie quarterback sit and learn from the person in front of them all the time. So it's not that surprising. See, I, I agree and disagree with you. I think Trubisky makes more sense for the Bears to start on week one over Foles than, than Fitzpatrick over Tua, just because there's really no reason to play Tua yet to risk an injury to expose him early, and Fitzpatrick will be beneficial for him. Trubisky, and that, that makes sense for the Dolphins, but Trubisky makes more sense because for the, for the Bears because they already have so much invested in him. You remember that blockbuster trade that they made on draft day that they are still feeling, by the way. I mean, Trubisky has not been what they expected, not even remotely close, and they're still yearning for those draft picks that they gave up so feverishly on that draft night. So you have so much invested in him, and Nick Foles, as you kind of alluded to, isn't that much of a better alternative if he's a better alternative at all. And I I disagree with you, though, that Trubisky will last longer than Fitzpatrick. Because Fitzpatrick can start a full 16-game season as a mentor on a team that has no intentions of winning, win a few games he's not supposed to, and it'll be, it'll be great to a develop with the clipboard. But Trubisky will have a very short leash. He starts because the Bears can't afford for him to not start, but they also can't afford for him to play the way he did last year for another 16 games. This guy was really good his rookie year. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to undersell it either. I was a huge Trubisky fan, thought he was the real deal. And in his rookie year, he was. He threw the ball pretty well. He ran extremely well. And his sophomore, junior seasons, Nagy just took away what made him special, which is the dual threat aspect of Trubisky. No one really saw that coming either. It's kind of like Josh Allen. He said, oh, he has a good arm, but can't really run. And then at the next level, he runs. It's incredible. And he defies the scouting report. And Nagy just took that away from him. And and two years ago, he ran for over 400 yards. Last year, he ran for only 200. So I I don't know what to do about that. Trubisky, even with his struggles last year, a two-to-one touchdown to interception ratio, he's not the best quarterback in the world. Neither is Foles, but he's certainly more talented. So I'm not surprised that Trubisky gets the nod. But again, short leash. But moving on, Tredavious White signs a four-year, $70 million extension to make him the highest-paid cornerback in the league. Jenna, that's a motif, highest-paid blank. Highest-paid quarterback, highest outside of Mahomes, highest-paid non-quarterback, highest-paid cornerback. And this time it's Tredavious White. Ties the league, tied the league lead in interceptions with six. So in my opinion, it's no surprise that the Bills locked up White. Oh, me neither. Um, this guy is the centerpiece um, of a budding defense that is is definitely one of the best in the league. Um, I think 
the fun the fun part, the good part of this story, the even maybe better part than all of the money, um, is the part that kind of makes the player human. That's always the best part. And White saying that he is he got all emotional over his contract because his plan with this money is to help his parents retire, which is for me, I always love those stories. You always see them on social media, you see them in the packages before the games when either players, rookies give their mom's cars or buys a house. It's just what, like, everyone can understand wanting to give back to the people who have poured so much into you. And, you know, you, we can talk money all day. I think, was it last week? I think it was last week. I don't remember who it was at this point. But then we just have another highest paid corner, like, last week or two weeks ago. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Paid, I was like. Highest paid safety, Buda Baker. There we go. Highest paid safety. Like, we had a highest paid like not two seconds ago yeah. in like in in the defensive um backfield. So I was like, that doesn't, you know, it's that's not the part for me that stands out. Obviously, he deserves it. You've already said the football X's and O's of that. But it's also you're giving it to a guy who's ready to pay it forward to to his family, which I think is I know, not the football, not the X's and O's reasons, but I think it's still something to note because at the end of the day, these guys are still are still human. They do more than just play football. Yeah, he was very emotional, but and it was a big signing for him and his family. But for the Bills, it was an absolute necessity because remember, the Bills are the team that let Stephon Gilmore walk. And who's Stephon Gilmore now? He's the reigning defensive player of the year. They're not letting that happen again. They, they locked up Tredavious White, who actually tied Gilmore for the league lead in interceptions last year. And at this point, they're just cutting their losses. The Gilmore thing, that wound will always be fresh, but Tredavious White is there to stay. We finished headlines up. Um, there was a lot of things that happened in the NFL this this week since we last talked with you guys. Um, and it's just because it's 53-man roster time. We got a lot of moves, a lot of cuts, a lot of trades, a lot of deals, a lot of, you know, fill in the blank with, with, the, with the noun. Um, so we're kind of not done talking about news and headlines. We're still going to do a little bit of more of that, but we're going to do it in a new way. We're going to play, I'll call it a game. It's a little different. We're still going to talk about all the things that happened, but we're going to do a little activity game, put in whatever you want to put there called go for the thesaurus. So we're, this is, this is, we didn't say two. We said thesaurus. Oh, go for Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Go for the source. We juked out the viewers, the listeners, just to say. We did. Go for the source. That is, that is the name of the segment. It's brand new. Brad, this is all Brad. I, I, I love the thesaurus. One of my favorite things to do on Google is just look up words. I'm a college student. Please don't come at me. I just look at the source a lot. So this was really right up my alley. Um, so basically, what's going to happen is there's going to be some headline ish type of statements and um you got one word and you gotta put one word to what that that does for you and you have a time to briefly quickly explain why you chose that word so brad because it is your idea i'm gonna let you have the first one adrian peterson peterson signs a 1.1 million dollar deal with the lions after being cut by washington what's your word all right, just a, a heads up. Some of my words are not words, and you're just going to have to deal with it. It's Tom Glavian. Tom Glavin, former ace for the Atlanta Braves, ended the back end of his career with the New York Mets. And that's the thing. And as a Mets fan, I'm not 100% upset about this. He did have that catastrophic start in 2007, and he's notorious for it. 
laid an egg in 2007. We missed the playoffs. It was a disaster. My first baseball game, by the way, Tom Glavin gives up five runs in the first inning and we missed the playoffs. Anyway, Tom Glavin to even wear a Mets uniform must have been paralyzing for Braves fans. And now Adrian Peterson is in a Lions uniform. How do you think Vikings fans feel about this? This is a guy that's going to go in the Vikings ring of honor, but he's going to end his career in Detroit. Okay, sure. I mean, I, okay. I, maybe a better word would have been Brett Farvian, with started with the Packers and then goes on to the Vikings, but that's my word. I'm sticking with it. Tom Glavian. None of which were our actual words. I went, you know, the traditional word route. Again, I told you guys I use my dictionary and I use my thesaurus. And what I said for this, I said it's legendary. And let me explain why. Um, there's also a pretty famous running back who put on the Lions uniform. I don't know if you're aware, Brad, but um, a guy named, what's his name? Barry Sanders. Larry. Sanders. Larry. Oh, Barry. I know oh. it's very, I know it's very confusing. Also, another legendary back for the Lions. He welcomed in Adrian Peterson. He, he said some things. It made headlines. It was all good things. Just looking at the stat comparisons, obviously, um, Peterson has about 11 games on um, Peterson at this point, or on Sanders at this point um, in his career, and their stats are very similar. And it makes sense because they're both um, – no one would argue that they're two of the best running backs of all time. So that's why I say it's legendary. The Lions are getting another Hall of Fame back, future Hall of Famer. Um, and it just seems in tune of, of what in, in tune and in step of what they do. I'm not saying AP is going to go off and do something crazy and do something legendary in the season. He's probably not. But it's still – that's still the word I choose. It's just very reminiscent of the past. The next one, Brad, we're still going to start with you. We're just going to really put the onus on you to start us off and then with your weird words and then I'll, you know, I'll help us recover after whatever you said. All right, Josh Rosen signs on to be Tom Brady's backup after being cut by Miami. What's the word? It's, it's the last namesake word I have for you, but it's Winstonian, right? I mean – doesn't this remind you of Jameis Winston taking a $1 million deal with the Saints to study under Drew Brees? Another word I could have used was Tedonian, I guess. I don't know. I'm making this up on the fly. But Teddy Bridgewater did it as well. Yeah, and I think it's perfect for Josh Rosen, right, to go in a system behind Tom Brady. Who better to learn from than Tom Brady? And who knows? I mean, this is a guy that has the talent. He has the ability. We saw that at UCLA. He was a top 15 pick in the first round. So he has the ability. Now we need some guidance. Tom Brady will be the one that gives it to him, if anyone, if anyone. And maybe, just maybe, he'll be the next Jimmy Garoppolo. We will see. Um, this word for me, what I chose, was pathetic. And not necessarily Ooh. in a negative way. Not negative toward Josh Rosen. But chosen Rosen is pathetic? No! It's pathetic, which... I looked it up in the dictionary because I did feel like it was a tad harsh, but this is the definition I'm basing it off of, of causing or invoking pity, sympathetic sadness, sorrow. That's how I feel. I feel bad for the guy. He was supposed to be, like, he was drafted by the Arizona Cardinals to be the guy. A lot of people had him as the guy of that, that, that draft, which I didn't, but some people did. And just for the Cardinals 
to draft Kyler Murray the very next year, ship him off to the Dolphins. The Dolphins kind of did the exact same thing. A little different, but they they bring him in for nothing. He didn't he didn't play well with the Dolphins, and then they go and get Tua. So it's like, all right, we don't need you anymore. Same thing's going to happen. He doesn't stay anywhere. And let's ship him off to Tampa Bay. Tom Brady, that'll, you know, he can't be mad about that. He's going to go and study under the GOAT. I think you're right. If anyone – we've seen the quarterbacks that come behind Brady do some, thing, some pretty good things as starters. So we'll see. But I don't know. I mean, again, Tom Brady's the GOAT. But I don't know if you could just kind of rub that off and be like, Josh Rosen, here, go be a starting quarterback somewhere else. I think he has the farthest to go. Um, and so, well, we're seeing Teddy Bridgewater. We'll see him on Sunday to see what happens with that as him as a starting quarterback. And I think Jameis Winston, without question, is if he goes on to be a starting quarterback somewhere else after this season or the next season, um, or he stays with the Saints and is the guy after Brees, whatever happens with that situation, he'll have a better outcome than Josh Rosen. Just because this poor, this poor, pitiful, pathetic man, he's just been bounced all over the place. And it's not even his own fault. So that's why I chose pathetic. Okay. All right. Let's keep moving down the list. Josh McCown becomes the oldest practice squad quarterback in NFL history at 41 after signing with the Eagles as an emergency quarterback. Before you, before you say something, I just thought this was interesting because, like, he's really just an emergency guy. They're like – live in Texas, like, don't even worry about it. If we, need you, if we need you, we'll call you. No need to even come fly and move your family to Philadelphia, which is good for a guy who's been all over the place. But, Brad, now say your word. I mean, it's inventive, right? That's the way I would describe it, is inventive. I, I could have used the word pathetic. I could have, I could have gone with another namesake and said Farvian again, that he just won't let go. But I don't think that's the case. I don't think Josh McCown is fighting retirement. I think the Eagles love him so much, and they don't want to waste, quote-unquote, waste a coaching spot on him. So let's get him on the payroll. Let's have him practice at times. I know he's not going to be with the team all the time. He is the emergency quarterback. But what an emergency quarterback to have, right? I mean, I don't even think the Jets right now have five quarterbacks on the roster. That's going to be whittled down pretty quickly to two or three. So – I couldn't even tell you who our emergency quarterback would be. In an emergency, the sky is falling, the end of the world as we know it. Wouldn't you want Josh McCown as your as your quarterback? I think I would. That'd be that'd be good for me. So it's inventive. Yeah, I was gonna dip into my fan frustration real quick. Uh, just I would love a Josh McCown rather than a Nathan Peterman, which is now yeah. number two. Yeah. So my my word, you kind of said it. Um, you didn't say it exactly, but I said it. This is the one I used the, the thesaurus for because I was trying to find. At first, I want to say, like, fan favorite. We love when we to hear Josh McCown. But that's two words, technically. I tried to, you know, some people were a little creative with the rules. I tried to stick with them. So I said, beloved. They love this guy. Yeah. Just, I, I, I have a tweet pulled up here, um, like a retweet. Um, well, Adam Schefter was like, Philadelphia, he signed a 41-year-old quarterback, Josh McCown, for practice squad, making Mills player. Basically, we just said. And, you know, McCown will live in Texas and will make $12,000 a week. That's not too bad just to sit at home and wait till be called. I mean, he'll be working out on, you know, doing living his life. But um, that's pretty good. And Jack Ertz, tight end for the Eagles, retweeted, I love everything about this. Welcome back, my brother. I'm like, they just love this guy. And 
You hear that from almost everywhere this guy goes. I've never heard a bad thing about Josh McCown. He might not light it up on the field. What? He's got the hair going for him, former Jet. So if he's if he used to play for the Jets, he'll probably play well outside of the Jets, just saying. Uh, yeah, I think it's pretty interesting. I mean, he's one step away from being a player coach, right? Like a Bill Russell or an Al Servi, where he's on the sideline with a clipboard. And if all fails, if Carson Wentz tears his ACL again, give me a helmet, kid. I'm Tom Plant. Let's go. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's, let's, let's continue with Cam Hayward signs a four-year $71 million extension to stay in Pittsburgh. Tell me what the source says, Brad. Exorbitant. He's already been in the league for nine years. He's a good player, but he's 31 years old. A four-year extension seems like a lot. And I understand Pittsburgh doesn't want him to go anywhere. They were 8-8 eight and eight last year without Ben Roethlisberger, which is so darn impressive. But at the same time, you're overpaying. And sometimes you have to overpay, but I find it hard to believe that you really had to extend a 31-year-old by four years for $71 million. That, that's a good point. I chose a different word, and the word was security. Um, just because you know what you're getting from this guy, he's been pretty consistent. He, you'll have a starter. He's started in every single game – of his career, except for in 2016, he only started seven, and I'm pretty sure it's because of injury. That's me speculating. I actually don't know. But every other year from 2011 to 2019, taking 2016 out of it, he started all 16 games. To me, that's someone who's secure. You know what you're getting. He's going to give you – he had nine sacks last year, eight sacks the year before, 12 sacks the year before that. So this guy just produces. And – that's why I chose security. Yes, again, numbers might not make sense, but I think it was more of a, we know what we're getting with this guy. We want to keep him for as long as we can. His career is not trending downward yet. And we have two more left. We're making our way down the list. And Keenan Allen signs a four-year, $80 million extension. Brad, what do you say about it? Rookie riches. The Chargers are keeping Keenan Allen there because, yes, he's a good player, but this one goes to Justin Herbert. Four years, $80 million. Just make sure that this guy doesn't go anywhere because who would you rather have alongside your rookie quarterback than Keenan Allen? The list is extremely short. All this guy does is produce, and all I hear about him is that he played well for my friend's fantasy team because every year he's producing. And he's not too old where he's lost a chip on his shoulder. Remember, we did that segment on him where uh, I think he was underrated in the power rankings or something like that. And it had Kareem Hunt higher, or excuse me, Tyree Kill higher on the uh, wide receiver rankings than him. And he was uh, upset because he said Mm -hmm. he was the best wide receiver in the AFC West. It was top 100. Exactly. So he hasn't lost that chip on his shoulder. He's not too old. Four years, I get it, but at the same time, it, it could be construed as a lot, but you need to overspend for your rookie quarterback. Give me rookie riches. Um, I also have an R, not an alliteration, because, again, this was, you know, choose a word, but it's okay. It's all right. I'm just, you know, following the rules. Uh, my word was rewarding. And I'm going to take it back to my Hard Knocks recap from last week. Before we even get into that, just so you guys know, might as well mention now I'm on Hard Knocks. 
We're going to skip the Hard Knocks recap for this week just because we have a lot going on. We have this new segment. And to be honest, guys, I didn't watch it. So next week, we're going to get some quick hits with that. But I wanted to mention all of that because not on this week's episode of Hard Knocks, but on last week's episode of Hard Knocks, we really focused on Keenan Allen. And I'm calling it rewarding. Again, I'm not the expert in money and what all that means and whatever. Brad, that's, that's, where, you, that's where you're at. I'm the Gopher 2 podcast accountant, basically. There we go. I'm just like, okay, Brad, explain to me why this is a lot of money or why Brad it doesn't Klein, make sense. CPA. See, I can do more of like the why it makes sense, you know, on the team aspect, fitting holes, but Brad is definitely the money guy. But I'm just going to tell you what I saw in Hard Knocks. I'm going to read her what I said. The whole thing, we start off, you know, the episode with this wide receiver coach going, if you don't block, you don't have a place on this team. And then we have um, Coach Anthony Lynn in his office going through tape. This guy's not blocking. This guy's not blocking. We don't do that here. And then we switch to, you know, Keenan's always blocking. Like, look at him. He's always getting the work. And that's why his number is called as often as it is because he puts in the work. And that's why I said this contract is rewarding. He does everything right. He puts up numbers. He, he blocks, which is a big thing for Anthony Lynn and the coaching staff over there in L.A. As I saw in the episode, if you guys haven't seen it yet, you should check it out. It was that wide receiver coach kind of went ballistic about blocking. But all to say that this guy, you know, he's a leader on that team, a veteran that, you know, similar to what you said, what you said it's going to be great for Justin Herbert. And I think this whole thing was rewarding all the way around. And finally, we have a more recent signing that just happened maybe an hour ago, a couple hours ago. I don't know, like recently. Cream Hunt, doesn't matter to you guys, whenever you're listening, it'll be past, past that time. Before 4 o'clock today, uh, Kareem Hunt signs a $13 million deal or extension for two years with the Browns. Brad? Pun intended, brown bagging it. That would be the word I, I would use, okay? The, the Cleveland Browns are the brown paper bag of the NFL. Here's why. Brown paper bag can be used for two, re- two purposes. One, if you're a Browns fan, you're often wearing it in the stands because you're embarrassed bad team put the brown paper bag on we've seen that for years okay number two and i know this is a pg podcast but a brown bag is often used to conceal something to hide something that you might be consuming the browns understand kareem hunt's past and they're trying to masquerade that and kind of conceal it behind oh look he's good oh look he's fast Look at all these shiny weapons we have on our team. Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, Kareem Hunt. But at the same time, no one's fooled. I'm not fooled. Kareem Hunt, let's be honest, not the best guy, okay? And he's a little washed up from an X's nose perspective. So they're trying to sell me on something. They're trying to make something seem like it's something else. They're brown bagging it, and I'm not buying it. Brown bag. That's similar to what I said. I say... Just like what they're trying, I'm taking what they're trying to sell me, and I'm just going to go from that point. I'm going to take what they're saying um, and and base my word off it. I'm going to say redemption with a question mark. So redemption, I think that's what they're really trying to do. They're trying to be like, this guy was really good in Kansas City. He's one of the highlights of highlighted players in that offense. And, you know, he got cut because of a mistake. And, you know, this is his chance at redemption. He's going to be great for us. And, you know, what's stopping him from doing that and being that? 
And, you know, we've seen, like, you know, there's been many cases over the years that we've seen people either bounce back from, um, uh, just from, from bad things that in their past have happened. They've either bounced back or haven't. I think we have, you know, Ray Rice, who we saw, we all saw the video and um, was disgraced to the league, never came back, <laughs> never did anything after that. But then we see someone like Joe Mixon. Granted, it was pre-draft. We, we, we found some things out. And he just got paid. The Bengals just pay, paid him. I know we didn't mention that um, in here. And, and Brian's going to be upset, our resident Bengals fan. But Four years, he, he $48 just, million, dollars, and he's been good for them. Yeah, he was able to bounce back. So that's why I say redemption with a question mark. You're either going to go Ray Rice. I don't think he's going to go Ray Rice just because he was so good in Kansas City and people still want to see if he has anything in the tank. But you could either go one way of underperforming and doing nothing and falling out of the league because of what you did, or you can clean yourself up, go Joe Mixon route, and maybe get yourself paid even more down the line. All right, that was everything. There was a whole bunch of stuff. Like I just, like I just journalism said. Students. We're <laughs> journalism students, and we showed off the vocabulary. I was pretty proud of it. I, I, we had some good words in there. You had some good ones, too. I enjoyed that. We're definitely going to have to bring that segment back. There's, yeah. you know, sometimes there's so many headlines. I think this week might be one of the only weeks that there's this many headlines. It was just everyone was making roster moves just because you yeah. need to finalize it for before week one. We just had so many headlines. And I was like, Brad, we can't sit here and go. Like, we need to, you know, chop this up and make it, you know, less monotone of just being like, okay, let's talk X's and O's and money for all of these things. It would have been like 10 different headlines when our average oh, is like hours too. It would have been forever. So we decided to add this fun game. Now we're going to kind of go back to regularly scheduled programming. I do hope we bring that segment back because I did have a lot of fun with it. But we're going to now preview a couple of things. We're going to preview MVP first. So, Brad, tell me who your MVP is going to be this year. My MVP is Russell Wilson, and mostly because this guy has deserved an MVP. I can't believe he hasn't earned an MVP. It's the one thing missing from his mantle. Super Bowl champion, six-time Pro Bowler. The MVP, that's all it is. And he's coming off a 31-touchdown, five-interception year for over 4,100 yards. So if there was a safer pick, I would take it. But honestly, Russell Wilson means so much to that team, and he's so darn talented that he has value for the team. If you wanted to find MVP as most valuable player, or if you want to say, because this is a debate, is it value or most outstanding player? I think he can win the debate. I, can, I think he can win MVP with either definition. So give me Russell Wilson. That's a good pick. He's also, he's my, uh, I did, we talked fantasy last week, and he is my fantasy quarterback in one of my drafts this year. So I'm hoping he has that, that MVP season in both terms um, of the def, or the both way that the definition is stated. I hope he does both because that means fantasy points for me and, Again, the guy deserves it. It literally makes no sense why he has it. He's in – you said if there was a safer pick, and I think it is probably one of the safest picks you could have made, just because he's always in the conversation. Not because it means he's going to win, but he's always there. There's never – I don't remember a season where Russell Wilson wasn't, you know, in the conversation throughout the season. So, great pick. 
I'm going to choose a younger guy we've already talked about this season, or this season, goodness gracious. Yes, we talked about it in this season of, of the podcast, but also in this episode in particular. I'm taking Deshaun Watson. I'm notoriously not high on the Texans, and looking at their depth chart, honestly, I understand why. Um, their, their wide receivers, you have Will Fuller, who, when healthy, can do some things. Brandon Cooks, also similar. He can, he can also do using things, be a weapon, Randall Cobb, you know, you have some guys with some name recognition that are really going to help him out um, weapons-wise. You're missing DeAndre Hopkins, which we mentioned, but I think part of the MVP obviously is the storyline, and I think when you have a little less to work with, or if you're on a team that, you know, you don't think is going to go and bust out to be the Chiefs at whatever crazy record they're going to get this year, which we'll talk about all of that next, but I think it's it's more likely that if you are a surprise a surprise team who's very very good, similar we saw Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson was great last year on a team that we didn't expect to be that good. Yep. We thought you know they can make a move, but they were very good in the regular season. And I think Deshaun Watson and the Texans can have a similar move. I hate saying that because again I'm not high on the Texans at all. But I think if he has an outstanding year and can put some wins together we can see something um, that's pretty special and Deshaun Watson could be our MVP. Speaking of teams that can be shockers, maybe win some divisions that we didn't expect, um, we're going to go down the list and we're going to say who we think is going to be the winner of each division. Brad, I feel like we haven't talked about this beforehand. I feel like our answer is going to be similar, but I feel like Brad always likes to make a difference. So I feel like he's in, I'm going to choose more, maybe some more of the obvious ones. And he's going to come at me and tell me why I'm wrong. So we're going to start in the AFC East. Brad, who's your pick? I'll kind of go off of you. It's Buffalo, okay? And I don't, I don't want to hear any of this from New England. I understand New England is a good team, and a lot of people are high on them because of Cam Newton. But it's Buffalo, okay? Buffalo was 10-6 and six last year with a budding Josh Allen, and I might be a bigger Josh Allen fan than anyone else. I was looking at this power ranking earlier today that had Josh Allen at like 25 or something like that, best starting quarterbacks in the league. That's no, Bush no, no. League, okay, because Josh Allen can do a little bit of everything. They just locked up Trevavious White on the defensive side of the ball. This is a gritty team. I like the coaching staff. I like the offense, the defense. And the AFC East is more wide open than it has been in years. So, yeah, give me the Bills. For me, it's a no-brainer as well, the Bills. I'm also high on Josh Allen. Um, I, coming out, I liked him um, coming out of school more than, you know, Josh Rosen. I wasn't a Josh Rosen or a Sam Darnold guy. Sorry to you, Brad. But um, I really like Josh Rosen. I I did not like him. I think, like, honestly, I didn't do a lot of, like, you know, draft prep. I didn't have a podcast. I was just like a casual fan. Um, and I saw him play one of his final games at USC and the man couldn't hold on to the ball. And I was like, oh, no, no, never mind. No, 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 none of this. But I think it, it was, you know, one game, but it was just troubling to me. I was like, he fumbled the ball again. It's been like three times in this game. Ah, my starting quarterback. No, thank you. Don't want that. So, and I, I don't know. I think just the allure of Josh Allen being able to throw the ball far. Like, again, I did no analysis, but I was like, I don't know. I like him. There's something about him. Obviously, Lamar Jackson is the reigning MVP. So, like, <laughs> you can't really compare those two just yet. Um, yeah. But for me, it's a no-brainer. 
the Patriots, they have a lot to prove to a lot of people. Um, people, you know, could be high on them because of Cam. I'm personally not. Cam still needs to prove some things to me. But as he said in that video we keep referencing when he was all sweaty and spitty, he was like, oh, they don't know. They count him out. And whatever he said, I don't remember. Again, I try to block it out. So that AFCs were in agreement. I'm going to talk AFC West because it is my home division. I'm wearing my Raiders sweatshirt now. That's what I also love about football season. I'm allowed to start repping the gear. Um, and technically, it's an Oakland Raiders sweatshirt that I got last year. So now it's vintage. So now I'm wearing my Absolutely. vintage merch. Um, and for me, this is a no-brainer. The Chiefs are going to dominate the AFC. They're going to dominate the league for years to come. And it's just going to start in the AFC West. No other team has any fighting chance. Um, I'll be surprised if they don't go perfect in the, in the division. Um, Brad, t- tell me what you're thinking because I'm, I, to me, we could just keep going. Yeah, I mean, just let's just rapid fire here because the Chiefs were 12-4 and four last season. In my opinion, that was an underachieving year for the Chiefs. No other team was over 500. So, yeah, the Chiefs. All right. I will say this, though, just to be clear. My friend Eli, our friend, mutual friend Eli Jarjor is putting money on the Denver Broncos to not only make the playoffs, but to win the Super Bowl. People are high on the Broncos, and I don't really get why. But they Rock. have some – they have some, Drew Locke, they have Jerry Judy, they have Cortland Sutton, they have a whole – Melvin Gordon. Yeah, they have – they have pieces. And I just want to – like, my thing is – how delusional do you have to be to pick a team from the AFC West to win the Super Bowl, not name the Chiefs? I, it's throwing money away. I can't believe yeah. it. Well, yeah, that's that's a no from me. Um, yeah, people are high on the Broncos. Maybe um, I think they could definitely do some things. But for me, I need to see it first. I haven't I, – nothing last year kind of gave me the, like the, the hint that they would be good. But we're going to move on. AFC North, what's your pick? AFC North, I'm going with – Pittsburgh here. I understand Baltimore is coming off a 14-2 year. They have the reigning MVP in Lamar Jackson. I get all of that. I haven't forgotten. But one thing that people have forgotten is that Pittsburgh is the superior team outside of the quarterback position. To go 8-8 eight and eight without your starting quarterback, that is unbelievable. I mean, seriously, to go 8-8 eight and eight with Devlin Hodges and Mason Rudolph. Now you're bringing in Ben Roethlisberger who knows a thing or two about the Steelers and knows a thing or two or two about winning in this division. He missed all of last season. He's fresh this season. He's healthy. Give me the Steelers. Give me Roethlisberger. I disagree. I'm definitely sticking with the Ravens on this one. Uh, yeah, I disagree. I get what you're saying. It is impressive that they went 8-8 eight and eight with our Roethlisberger. I'm interested to see how he looks after the injury and all the drama with that, but I'm going to go with, with what I'm comfortable with. And right now I'm most comfortable and there's not a lot of questions around the Baltimore Ravens. Um, we have the rating MVP, Lamar Jackson. He's hungry. This guy's hungry. He still has a chip on his shoulder because people are like, dude, you got to win the playoffs to kind of, you know, it's all great and fun when you go 14 and two in the regular season, then can't perform in the playoffs. So I think he's ready to maybe take that next step. Which, again, we're just talking about regular season division winners. But I think he's, you know, going to be chasing that the entire season. You also have um, Mark Ingram, who was very consistent for the team last year, was, was a great running back for them. Um, so I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing. And we have um, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown. He also had a few, a few weeks that were pretty big. And I think 
he's I don't like saying this. I don't want you know want to just like make some some crazy takes, but I think he's going to be one of the best deep threats in the league this year. I'm saying it now, and for me, it's no brainer that the Ravens are going to win this division. But I do give some respect. It's not as no brainer e as the Kansas City Chiefs is. Chiefs are. Um, to me, that's no brainer. But this one, I could see where you're coming from, but I just I just disagree. AFC South. This were this were things are interesting for me, but I want to hear your perspective first. Okay, so to be clear, I think the Texans will win this division, but, and there are, there are plenty of reasons for it. They're far superior to Sean Watson, MVP candidate like you alluded to earlier. But at the same time, I want to make this clear. And I want this to be on the record. The Colts have a better chance of making the playoffs than the Titans. I don't think they're going to win the division. I think they're going to get a wild card, though. Phillip Rivers is not done yet. They have pretty good supporting cast. T.Y. Hilton is still there, so I just want to put that out there. But yeah, the Texans are the far superior team. Their defense is off the charts. They won a playoff game last year against the Bills, and that was a great game. Deshaun Watson with the comeback. They lost against the Chiefs, but now they're hungry after blowing that big lead against the Chiefs in the second round. I don't see any way the Texans lose this division. Uh, I do not like that. I'm not surprised them. I know I chose Deshaun Watson as the MVP, and they would need to probably oh, win. That's counterintuitive. I don't see a situation where Deshaun Watson wins MVP and not, and the not division. win the division. Yeah, you know, I'm going to contradict myself. That's fine. I just, I just don't think we should so quickly sweep under the rug slash ignore what the Titans did in the playoffs last year. They have momentum coming in this year. I'm saying the Titans win the division. The Titans never had any, have never had any real follow through, which is kind of the problem. They can be good some weeks, be bad the other weeks, but I think they pull it together. Last last year in the playoffs, usually, you know, if they make the playoffs, they're out in the first round, but they beat the Tom, beat Tom Brady's Patriots. And I don't think we should just be like, oh, well, that was just an anomaly. They were good in the playoffs, and, you know, that was fine. Not another year. I'm giving a little more. I don't like the Texans pitches because the Texans are always wishy-washy for me. Um, and the Colts, I saw Phillip Rivers play two times a year. I don't know if he has much left in the tank, to be quite honest. But that is just me. We're going to keep moving because we are running out of time running out of time here on the Go For Two podcast. We got to get it moving. So we're going to go a little quicker through the NFCs because we don't have teams that are tied there. So who cares about them? Am I right? All right, NFC East, uh, who are you picking? Dallas. And I know I keep on going back to these quarterbacks here, but Dak Prescott has so much more to prove than any other quarterback that we've talked about on this podcast today because he's playing not only for his livelihood, but for his child, child's livelihood and their children too. He can make bank after this season if he proves it. I think he has a chance to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league this year just because he has a better incentive to play well than any other quarterback in the league this year. The NFC East is wide open just like it is every year. I'm not a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan just because of the vulnerability of Carson Wentz. So give me Dallas. I'm also Dallas for the sim- for similar reasons. Just the quarterback, Dak, wants to get paid. Dak is going to prove it this year. I'm not going to say anything else on that because that's my exact yep. reasoning. NFC West, let's keep it moving. Who are you picking? Seattle. I can't take Russell Wilson as my MVP and then for him to lose the division like you. I can't do it. I can't go down that dark path. No, it's Seattle. I understand that San Francisco won it last year at 13-3, and three, but Seattle played them so 
close last year. And if you remember, one of their matchups came down to, not exaggerating, one yard. One yard. So we're really splitting hairs between the two teams. But at the end of the day, talent rules. Seattle is so much more talented than San Francisco. And I like Kyle Shanahan. But in a coaching battle, on a coaching one-on-one, I'm taking Pete Carroll any day of the week. Also pick Seattle. I can see um, the 49ers potentially going through what the Rams went through this past season. Kind of like a Super Bowl slump. Um, they might come back, you know, in, in 2021, 2021-2022 uh, season. But I think this year is going to be a little bit of an off year for them, um, similar to what, similar, um, to what happened to the Rams. Um, NFC North. Let's get it. This is a tough one. I really want to be different here, but I can't go Vikings. It's the Packers. I can't yeah. choose Kirk <laughs> Cousins over Aaron Rodgers here. And Green Bay was 13-3 and three last year. That's with Aaron Rodgers playing with Matt LaFleur for the first time ever. So now they've had a full season and the playoffs to get accustomed to one another. They're very much on the same page now. We had that little kerfuffle disagreement between the two before the season started last year. That was the hot buzz around Green Bay. You're not hearing anything like that now. It's, it's tranquil. It's civil. It's quiet between Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. That's the way I want it to be between my quarterback and my head coach. Unfortunately, as a Jets fan, I don't have that luxury. I think there's more stability with Green Bay than in any other locker room in the NFC North. Mm-hmm. And plus, if Aaron Rodgers dies, uh, rather, if Kirk Cousins dies, he dies. So, you know, that could happen too. So, and you heard about that, right? I'm not just pulling that out of thin air. He said, in terms of uh, like oh, how do you yes. feel about the COVID-19 protocol, he says, pulled an Ivan Drago and said, if I die, I die. So, that's not good. Give yeah. me Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I did see Kirk Cousins trending on Twitter, and I purposely yeah. kind of stayed off Twitter because I didn't want to hear everyone's, you know, particular opinions. I didn't even know what happened. But, yeah, that that is a reference that most people would have gotten if they didn't purposefully avoid it. Um, I also went Packers, similar reasons. How can you not pick Aaron Rodgers and after the season? I asked Brad when I was kind of, like, going through it. I was like, how how did the Packers do? And he was like, 13-3 and three last season. I was like, oh. No-brainer, Packers. Let's move on. All right, we're going to go with the final division, NFC South. Who's it going to be? All right, I'm betting against Tom Brady. Tom Brady has won the division (laughs) every year for how many years in a row? I don't even know. But the point is, he was playing in a little tykes of a division in the AFC East. It's not the case here. You have some really good defenses in the NFC South. I'm taking New Orleans. They were 13-3 and last year. No other team in the division was plus 500. And I understand Carolina's a different team. Tampa's a different team. And Atlanta can easily pick it up. But New Orleans is actually, and we're going to get to this later, I have New Orleans as my Super Bowl favorite. So I can't pick against them in the NFC South either. I really like that. I'll talk about my uh, Super Bowl pick shortly. But I like that. I My thing is, like, I really want Drew Brees to retire on top. I want that storybook ending for him. I want the Peyton Manning-type story for him where he could just be like, guys, I'm peacing out. I just won New Orleans a Super Bowl. Um, that would be my, my biggest wish. And that's why, I mean, I've chosen the Saints as well. They're always an exciting team in the NFC South. 
They always, you know, they have Alvin Kamara, who they're trying to um, close an, a deal with um, to extend him. Um, you have Michael Thomas, one of the best wide receivers in the league. Um, Drew Brees is also one of the best. So I, I can't go against the Saints here. I know Tom Brady, Gronk. Leonard Fournette, another thing we didn't talk about, Leonard Fournette um, is going to the Buccaneers, which is actually, that was actually my pick. I said that the Buccaneers would pick him up. If you go back to one of the later episodes, you'll see, you'll remember, I definitely said that that was the best fit because they had no one in their backfield. So despite all that talent, besides Mike Evans still being in Tampa Bay, I'm going with the Saints. All right, we've already heard from Brad who his Super Bowl favorite is. It's the Saints, which, again, I just explained. I really like the storyline of that pick. But it's time for someone to be realistic here in this podcast. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I don't know who, how anyone's going to beat the Chiefs. I don't know for an extended period of time, I don't see anyone else beating the Chiefs. The thing is, we were talking about, what was it, 12-4 and four last season? And that was underachieving? That's a pretty good season. I would love a season like that. And that's underachieving? Are you kidding? How could you not pick the Chiefs? They're, I, I hate it because I'm a Raiders fan, and we don't like the Chiefs being successful. But I'm also realistic, man. I know that they're going to win our division consecutively for years to come, and there's nothing I can do about it. So I'm saying that they're going to win the division – and with all the little steps leading up to the Super Bowl, and I don't see anyone else stopping them. You heard it here first. Chiefs, Saints, Super Bowl. It's happening. Already pencil it in. All right, we're moving on, though, to what was trending. And, Jenna, I'll let you start. Jersey swaps are back. We did a whole what was trending, or maybe it was a COVID update forever ago, about how these jersey swaps weren't going to happen. Out of all the things, you know, football players touching and moving from other, you know, moving all across the country and, you know, hitting each other in pads, not the problem. The problem is at the end of the game, I'm being sarcastic here, the end of the game, the problem is when the players just swap jerseys, they realized that that was absurd. And you know what they did? The NFL was like, this is a chance to get some advertising on this. So sponsored by Tide. You can now get your jersey shipped to any teammate, not teammate, you know, opponent across the league, and Tide will take care of it. And we're making sure that we say Tide as many times as possible because Tide is doing this, and we get money from Tide to say Tide's name. Not us personally, but speaking from the perspective of the NFL. Again? Who's sponsoring it again? Tide is sponsoring oh, it. Tide okay. is our jersey swap savior. I didn't say that enough. I thought it was Arm and Hammer for a second. <laughs> And again, this podcast, the Go For Two podcast, not sponsored by Tide. But I was speaking in the perspective of the NFL. They're here, and they're like, hey, guys, we're going to be the hero for a second. We're going to give you jersey swaps back. Something that was so stupid to take away in the first place. It made sense, but to make it such a headline thing was stupid. And now they brought it back. Thank goodness, I guess. I mean, I don't really care, but good for the, the players and good for the NFL. They're making money again. Like, they're, you know, doing things to make more money. So, oh, good grief. I was, when I read that, I was like, I got to talk about this because we're going, no jersey swaps, jersey swaps, COVID is going to get us through jersey swaps. But I know, Brad, you have something a little more serious. So, we're going to dial it back, let you take the floor, because um, we have some serious stuff to talk about. 
it's it's serious because it's someone's career, but at the same time, it's just a it's just another domino with Colin Kaepernick at this point. Reports coming out, according to Pro Football Talk, that there was only fake interest in Colin Kaepernick. So that workout that he had lined up, every all the buzz, that was all just noise apparently. And my question is, is anyone surprised? Because especially now that he's older, he's not nearly as effective inevitably as a quarterback. And what happened with the workout, essentially standing up the scout that actually made the trip to see him play, I said this from the beginning, there's too much noise from Colin Kaepernick for him to be a backup quarterback, for him to be the head of a scout team. And, yeah, I, I wouldn't sign him for that reason. It's just that I'm, there's no doubt that he's a top, we'll call it 40 quarterback in the league, which means he should be on an NFL team. But at the same time, there's more to it than just being a quarterback. It's the attention. It's the PR. And it would, it would at the time of the signing, it would probably be good PR for a team to bring Colin Kaepernick in. But mm -hmm. at the same time, there would be so much attention so many questions, and there are egos in that locker room that want to know, hey, why is he getting the press? He didn't even play in the game, and I just scored a couple of touchdowns. No one's talking to me. So that would be an interesting dynamic in the locker room. Also, he's in Madden, by the way, which was a big surprise for everyone, and he's the best. He's the highest-rated free agent on the market, 81. Not a bad rating. So, Yeah, not a bad rating. But when I saw that, I was like, okay. First, let me. We're gonna move on. We're gonna fan frustration. Talk about something a little more fun. But first, when I saw what you were gonna talk about, the fake interest, I was gonna give another resounding duh. <laughs> I, like no kidding, that's not surprising. The Madden thing, great that he's in the game, but I think people are just trying to. It's just another ploy by the NFL to try to be like, no, we support, we understand, we know. We're going to make him the best free agent no matter what. Like, even if, you know, he's qualified to be that. Just because we support him, we know we messed up. And that's what this is to me. I don't – people were super excited about it. And I was like, why? This is clearly them pulling another one over, over on you and just being like, we're trying to make it better. And Colin Kaepernick, he's the best. We love him. Did we already forget that there was fake interest? <laughs> like, not two seconds ago? So that was yeah. a, little, a little frustrating for me, which is going to bring us to the fan frustration. I'm taking the reins. Brad was definitely supposed to cue in that segment, but I'm going to do it this time. Fan frustration. Let's cue that music. Fan <gasps> frustration. You all know after you hear that music that we're going to get a little, you know, a little amped up. And again, it's a little hard because we get football in two days. I'm so excited. But Brad, you know, tell me why your excitement might be a tad damper. Not too much, but a tad damper for the Jets. I'm very excited for this season. But at the same time, we don't have any wide receivers. So that's definitely putting a damper on my excitement. We have no wide receivers. All three of our starting wideouts are listed as questionable. Chris Hogan, Brashard Perryman, and Jamison Crowder. And, and by the way, Denzel Mims, our second round, first, yeah, second round pick uh, wide receiver from Baylor. He's supposed to have an impact role. He's supposed to come off the bench. He's listed as questionable. And with all that, with no wide receivers, by the way, even if they're healthy, not a good wide receiving core by any stretch. We still cut Dante Moncrief, 
And cutting Dante Moncrief, I might be the only fan in the history of football to complain about cutting Dante Moncrief. But at the same time, you are in no position, Joe Douglas, the GM of the Jets, to cut a wide receiver. If they catch footballs for a living, they must be employed by you because there are not many other alternatives from the injured players that you already have. So if he's healthy, if he can put the right leg in front of the left leg and the left leg in front of the right leg, then you have no business cutting him right now. Yeah, for me, that's the biggest reason why I can't see the Jets making any type of move. I just don't see who Sam Darnold is supposed to throw the ball to. And I think even before Sam Darnold's time, I feel like there's never anybody for anybody. Like, if they were in a Jets jersey throwing the football, they were throwing to nobody. (laughs) So I feel like that, like, in a a draft, you need to address that. (laughs) That would be my tip to you, Brad. Fan, not GM of the New York Jets. That's something as a casual fan I've noticed. Like, who is this guy that he's throwing the ball to? But it's my turn to shine. We got my fan frustration for the Raiders. And it's just 53-man roster things. I'm not going to go too long on this, even though there's quite a few things I'm frustrated about. Um, But I couldn't just choose one. First, Lynn Bowden Jr., we drafted him, and we're also, like, in the third round, I think, and we're trading him to Miami. We are – not trading. We traded him to to Miami. Which to me was just like, why draft him? It was just like weird to me. He was supposed to be like one of the right. I think he was the second running back in the depth chart, if I could remember correctly. Um, second or third. No, he was third because Jalen Richard was second and he was third. So that's why I was saying that we didn't need Leonard Fournette because that was my fan frustration last week. We don't need him because we have plenty. Um, and we're still like the one two is, is going to be great. But why did we draft this guy if we were just going to trade him away for draft compensation? That was a little just like a head scratch to me. I was like, he's gone already? Yeah, and you were so high on him too. I liked him. I liked the pick. I really did. Um, But no longer. He's uh, he's for, for, um, I guess, my hometown team that I don't root for. But he'll be playing down in Miami if I ever want to go see him play. Next, Marcus Mariota out. Nathan Peterman in. Mariota was put on the I – on the IR. On IR. And, um, come on, man, stay healthy. Like, what's up? <laughs> That's all I have to say. You're coming in. There's a whole You're bunch so of crap. selfish. <laughs> There's so much crap I had to deal with in the offseason of quarterback competitions to watch. Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota, which was stupid. But still, I was, I still was like, whatever, like, fine. And now he's just on IR, and now it's Nathan Peterman in our, you know, in our back pocket. I don't know if that's the guy you want to say. I got Nathan Peterman. He's in my back pocket. I don't hate him. As I know Brad super, super, super low on him. I don't hate him. John Gruden really likes him. We saw that in Hard Knocks last year, um, but he was put on IR for most of the seasons. We never got to see anything out of him, and Derek Carr stayed healthy for the most part, so that was a little frustrating as well. And finally, it was my fan frustration two weeks ago, and I think I talked about it again because I was like, oh, Tyrell Williams, he's going to, you know, play with that torn labrum. But now he's out for the season. So before I was frustrated because I was like, this offense was supposed to be, you know, exciting, you know, a little, just like something to look forward to, like just seeing how it all pans out. And we're still going to have Tyrell Williams. Now he's out. And now we have have Brian Edwards who's going to step in, which I was high on. I like him a little more than I like Henry Ruggs. At the moment, I haven't seen them play, but I think he has, Brian Edwards has a high ceiling. We have Henry Ruggs. We have Hunter Renfro, who I like. We have Darren Baller, we have some pieces, but like Tyrell Williams was supposed to be the, the thing that made them complete. 
made them a complete package. And now he's gone. So I'm just going to stop there because I could go on with 53-man roster stuff. Tanner Muse is going to be on the practice squad. He, I was expecting him to do some, some things this year. There's a whole bunch of things I can talk about because we're getting closer to football, which means Jenna will actually be frustrated about things. I know this offseason it was like, oh, she's not really frustrated about anything that's, like, prominent. But it's come Week one, don't worry. I'll, I'll be uh, on my phone in my notes app, and I'll be writing some things down of just some X's and O things I just can't believe happened. So, Brad, close us out because we've been talking forever. <laughs> I'll leave you with a with – a- Nathan Peterman, fun fact, he was one of the two quarterbacks in the FBS's highest scoring game ever. 71-61 Syracuse beat Pittsburgh, and Zach Mahoney, backup quarterback for Syracuse, was the other signal caller. Just, just saying, Nathan Peterman scored 61 against Syracuse. But that's all we have for you on this edition of the Go For Two podcast. The end of the offseason, finally. And this time next week, we'll be recapping week one. Cannot wait. Or as Bart Scott would say, can't wait. All right, Jenna, Alike, Brad Klein with you. If you want to send us an email, go for two pod at gmail.com to the number. Follow us on, follow us on Twitter at the go for two podcast. And also find us on Apple podcast and Spotify, the go for two podcast on Spotify. You type in a podcast for frustrated football fans by two frustrated football fans. That's all we have for you. Stay safe, folks. Salute!